Hello, and thank you for tuning in this week to the Dream to Destination podcast. I'm really excited to be talking to my guest this week, whose name is Lee, and her blog is Campfires and Concierges. That word is a little hard, but concierges. So um, Lee has a travel obsession that goes way back to her childhood when she traveled the Midwest with her dad, who was selling vacuum cleaners door to door, which is super charming and vintagey. And now she tells story, uh, travel stories through her photography, which inspired her to start a travel blog. And in 2017, she left a corporate career to pursue travel writing full time. She has lived in Chicago, Seattle, Tucson, some other places in the Midwest, and in 2020 moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, which I hear is beautiful. So Lee, thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. How's, is everything cool in Salt Lake City? So I'm actually, I've moved again. I'm up oh. in Park, <laughs> still <laughs> Salt Lake region, but I'm up in Park City, Utah, which is a super cute ski town. So I'm loving it. Yeah, that's. I mean, that whole area looks beautiful to me. I've never actually been, but it just looks gorgeous. Um, but yeah, I've heard Park City is super beautiful too. Yeah. So thank you for joining me from Park City, Utah to talk about your blog, which I found and of course was uh, drawn to immediately. It's called Tips for Traveling to Mexico City as a Solo Female. And I will definitely have the link to it in the show notes. And um, yeah, I am all about solo female travel in Mexico City because if there's one thing I've heard about Mexico City, it is. That it is the most underrated, amazing place. I also hear that it's super green too. People are always shocked how green it is for a big city. But yeah, right? Did you notice that? Completely. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I know. People never know about that. There's one of like the biggest urban parks in the world there. Um, I think it's like in the top five. I guess there's one in Paris, one in Japan, Central Park in New York City, Chapultepec Park in Mexico City. Uh, Yeah, it's one of the biggest parks in the world is uh, in Mexico City. But yeah, I mean, you know, as Americans, we all know the things we hear about Mexico in the news. So anyone who is down for the cause with me to dispel the horrible Mexico rumors (laughs) is going to be asked to be on my podcast. So, (laughs) so let's talk about Mexico city solo travel. How many times have you been to Mexico city solo? So, um, so far only twice, but I will definitely be back as often as I can. Um, what made you want to return a second time? Oh my gosh, I loved it. I mean, I, I would probably move there and I hope that I can someday, but just um, you know, the culture, the food, the architecture, the history, I mean, everything. It's just to me like the perfect travel destination and it's not that far. You know, my first trip, I lived in Chicago, so it was not a big flight, easy to go for three, four days and I just completely fell in love. Um, yeah, like literally I hear this story a lot like I said um so how many solo trips had you taken before or like how confident of a solo traveler I guess did you feel before you went Uh, I'm pretty comfortable solo traveling so I earlier 
in the same year that I first visited Mexico City, I spent two weeks in Southeast Asia solo. So I'm pretty comfortable. Um, I also always mention that I lived in Chicago for probably 15 years. I'm single, so I'm, I'm very comfortable in urban environments, kind of walking around at night, things like that. So I'm a little, maybe more comfortable than other people are. Um, so what do you think would be your recommendation for a first time solo female traveler? How do you think um, Mexico City, uh, you know, like stacks up? I know like Southeast Asia is a pretty popular travel destination, but yeah, it's super far. So if yeah. you have a weekend, it's definitely out of the question if you're coming from the U.S., but Mexico City is, you know, about two hours from a lot of places in the U.S. So what would you say to another solo female traveler, maybe for a first time international trip? I mean, the fact that I've gone twice, I think says a lot because I don't, I don't repeat destinations that often as, you know, a travel addict, I have a huge list of places I want to go. Um, so just the fact that I've already gone twice, it's like, this place is pretty special. Um, my first trip to Mexico City, I did a lot of day tours. So just because you're traveling alone doesn't mean you have to be alone the whole time. You know, I love food tours when I'm traveling in foreign countries. Um, I did a bike tour on my last trip. So, you know, you have that flexibility of joining a group for the day and then being on your own for the rest of your schedule. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such like a huge solo travel misconception. It's like this like almost religious pilgrimage where you're not supposed to utter a word and you're not, you're just supposed to be solo and be hardcore about it. And I just say that like solo doesn't mean alone. It means that you're in control. Exactly. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of room between like what you just described and a bus tour where you're shuffled around every 15 minutes for seven days. Um, there's so much flexibility in between for types of travel. Uh, so, all right. So for a first timer, you think, go for it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, you know, if you've never traveled solo, I think traveling to a big city can be intimidating. And again, that's kind of where my Chicago history gave me that comfort level. Um, but I, you know, one of my articles talks about where to stay in Mexico City. There's so many little neighborhoods. I mean, you don't have to feel like you're in a city of, what is it, 20 million now? Uh, I think it's like nine or 10, but okay. still like a crazy number. Big though. <laughs> Wait, three, that's three Chicago's. But the neighborhoods are so small and quaint. I mean, you really don't have to feel like you're in this mega metropolis city. You could just hang out in, like you said, Roma North for a week and, and fall in love. Yeah, no, for sure. So I, I was, I've been reading through your Mexico City content on your blog, um, and there's this uh, sentence that I'm going to read to you. So I hope that's not super weird that I'm reading you your own words. But um, you wrote, the truth is, if you don't feel safe at home, you won't feel safe in Mexico City. And I've like never seen, I mean, I think I get what you're saying, but I've never seen it like worded like that. So can you explain, like break that down? That's like heavy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> For sure. So you know, as someone who travels alone often, that's the question I get most from a certain type of person. Um, there are people that are scared of the dark in their own home, right? And um, there are people who ask me, oh, did you feel safe? Did you feel safe? And I think if you're just a naturally paranoid, scared kind of person, you won't feel safe in Mexico City. But that's not on Mexico City, that's on you, right? So it's just, 
I mean, people give me so many questions about safety and I just think it's kind of in your head. Girl, I have a Mexico blog, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about the question, but honestly, like I've come to realize that like we don't talk about it enough. If I'm yeah. like, I think we should talk about travel safety more. I think people have this idea of travel, especially like someone who maybe only travels like once a year, every two years. Like they think traveling is like going to a place and shutting off your brain and just like taking it all in. But like the reality is you need to be more aware than you are in your hometown. Like, sure. <laughs> unless you want to go do an all-inclusive on a beach where like you have a bracelet on your wrist with your credit card and you don't even have to take your ID out of the room. So you're definitely not going to lose that. You know, like that's that kind of trip. But like if you're traveling instead of what I call vacationing, like you need to be more alert, I would think. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, I want to encourage people to travel and I would encourage anyone to go to Mexico City. But there's just some people I know that wouldn't enjoy it because they're just not comfortable being alone anywhere, if that yeah. makes sense. No, yeah, it does. It does make sense. And like, obviously, Mexico would be a super easy scapegoat to, you know, pin that on, especially coming from, from the exactly. US with like the negative um, mainstream media. Yeah. So let's get into some of your uh, Mexico City travel tips for solo female travelers. And the first one is about speaking Spanish in Mexico City. So tell me, how is your Spanish? Uh, not great. <laughs> um, hablo un poquito. Um, I'm always trying to learn more. I feel like I've been wanting to learn Spanish for years, but I, you know, I get by, but my first trip to Mexico City, that was kind of eye-opening because I had been to Mazatlan and Puerto Vallarta and, you know, everyone speaks English in the tourist areas. So when I got to Mexico City, I remember getting in a cab and there was no English and I barely spoke Spanish. So I mean, that's so American to say, but I just didn't anticipate such a language barrier when I got there. Yeah, it can be. Um, definitely, you know, like you said, if you, but still, I still think it's 50-50. I mean, you have a higher shot of that 50 being in your favor in the tourist, more touristic areas of Mexico City. But yeah, it's, um, you know, but I think, I don't know how you found like people to be, but I just think Mexicans are just super kind and like accommodating and will try to help you yeah but, um yeah I always get this question so um did you use uh an app when you were what did you do um I use google I, I usually have google translate I don't use it that often like I use it more like if I'm trying to figure out a washing machine, you know, it'll translate a photo that you take. Yeah. Um, I find in conversations easier just to kind of muddle through. And like you said, they're very understanding and helpful. Uh, the problem I run into is I am Mexican, at least a little bit. And so I, you know, I kind of blend in and if I speak a little Spanish, they think I can have a conversation. So they come back at me pretty fast. So that's why I, um, you know, make sure I can say hablo un poquito espanol so they don't try to carry on a conversation with me. No, I think they just honestly want to talk because yeah. <laughs> I've gotten Ubers before and like when I first moved to Mexico City and I would say like, oh, solo hablo un poquito espanol, like, like you, like I only speak a little Spanish and like that would honestly, instead of like me thinking that was going to shut down our conversation, 
to a Mexican, that is an invitation to have a conversation. (laughs) They're like, oh, a little bit. I can work with that. Like, (laughs) so I think it's just like part of the friendly, like talkative kind of nature of of the culture. But um, yeah, so the Google Translate app is really cool because you can actually do like cool things. Like you mentioned, take a picture of something and it'll translate like, um, so with a menu that might work or with a sign that might work, but I've used it in ways where you actually like speak into it and then it'll verbally translate for the person and then they can speak into it. Like, I mean, that's been in extreme situations when I've had to like go to a doctor or something like that. But yeah, you can, um, you can get, I think you can get by with the super basics and you seem to have done that. Yeah, we, we muddle our way through. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's kind of weird. I, I would have never, before moving to a country where I didn't really speak the language, you never think that you can, like, figure a language out. Like, a language seems something like you know or you don't know, but you can, like, read body language. You, you know, a lot of our communication is nonverbal, so. Sure. I think, uh, you know, if you're someone who wants to travel to Mexico City, I don't think the language barrier it should be... Um, should be something that holds you back. No, not at all. Yeah. So cash in Mexico City. Yeah, this is uh, something I've been in Mexico about two and a half years now. And I still struggle with like needing to get cash all the time. Like I miss using credit cards, but this is definitely yeah. something I always tell Americans. So talk about, um, you know, the necessity of cash and the infrequency of credit card use. Yeah, I think it depends on the kind of travel you you are. I mean, you can definitely, I think you can get by with credit cards if you're staying at the Hilton and eating at, you know, big fancy restaurants. Um, Where I found I needed cash was really for street food, obviously, which is some of the best food there. Um, And just buying trinkets and stuff on the street or at the markets. Um, So I actually got by with, I think, $50 cash, a thousand pesos. Um, in a week on my last trip. So I didn't spend a ton of cash, but it's just always nice to have on hand for tipping and things like that. Oh, yeah. And like for sure, in the bigger cities, you can use the card a lot more. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah. And if you go to Mexico City and don't eat street food, I feel like you didn't really go to Mexico City. So. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people want to go to the mercados too, the little like artisan markets and stuff like that. And you definitely like those are going to be cash only. But of course, like museums going to take your credit card. If you're getting around with Uber, it's obviously connected to your credit card. But yeah, the cash thing is, um, where did you take the cash from? Um, I usually just get it at the airport at the ATM. Yeah, that's like, that's the best way I think um, to yeah. from an ATM instead of like bringing dollars and then paying the change fee. Oh yeah, I never do that. I, I always have pesos. I lived in Tucson when I visited last. So I, I went to Nogales every once in a while. So I probably had some pesos, you know, just to get me out of the airport. Um, oh, I will say too, though, I stayed in a guest house on my first trip and they offered a discount if you paid in cash. So even though I could pay with a credit card, it was good to have cash because you get a discount for that as well. Yeah, you'll find that in some other places too. That's, you know, it's a ran- it'll be random, like you rent, yeah. you add it at your hotel. But yeah, cash is king in Mexico. <laughs> cash is still king. So tell me about uh, your experiences eating out in Mexico as a solo diner. 
Oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> I know. I always tell people I had to move to Mexico for the talk of this. I know. Um, so the reason I put it as a tip in my blog post is, you know, I when I was on a corporate schedule, and that's when I first visited Mexico City, I'm like, you know, breakfast at eight, lunch at noon, dinner at six, like my stomach knows when it's time to eat. And I remember heading out um, and I was, I was starving for lunch at 11 and I couldn't find any place open. So I always kind of give that as a caveat as like, you know, the hours are a little different there. Um, I think a lot of restaurants open for lunch at one or two um, and dinner is pretty late as well. So I still eat dinner early when I'm traveling because I'm old. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I found that restaurants were serving dinner at seven, but I was like the only one in the restaurant. So it's just a di different atmosphere. Yeah, I guess I'm from Miami. So I've like, I've been living in like a Latin time frame. For yeah. a while. I'm used to like the late eating so that I never even really picked up on that. But I guess, yeah, they, they would not eat at five or six. Mm -hmm. Like that would be a little weird, but like, um, you know, I guess that's also one of the beauties of travel is that you don't have to be on your previous schedule either. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, what are some things people have to eat in Mexico City? So um, my first time in Mexico City, I took a food tour in Polanco, and it was actually billed as just a taco tour. So we went to like five or six different restaurants, had all these tacos. Um, but I had what's called sopas for the first time, not sopa, um, which is soup, but sopas is like little mini tostadas on like a corn masa base. And they are like my favorite Mexican food ever now. Um, you don't really see them on American menus that often, but they're fantastic. Yes. So that's, that's they're delicious. Yeah. People always think I'm saying sopa. I'm like, no. Um, okay. but yeah, those are great. All the street tacos. Um, I mean, I've had some good food in Guadalajara as well. Jalisco kind of has their own cuisine there, but um, I mean, obviously the tacos, the the drinks, I love the drinks in Mexico, the agua fresca, horchata, um, it's just, oh, I could, I could eat there every day. <laughs> I know. Um, so you wrote about tipping. Um, what it, you were tipping 10 to 15%, I see that you wrote, which is, which is typical, yeah. 15, yeah. Say. I think if you tip under 15, they're gonna think that they did bad service. Okay. <laughs> yeah I mean you know that's just especially in the big cities I think like in the smaller places you would probably just leave the change that you right uh, you know like European style but I, I don't know you know who knows in Mexico yeah, I, I think tipping evolves too as more yeah. Americans travel that's true I think maybe they expect it from an American yeah tipping used to be such an American thing and now it's like they kind of come to expect it so I know before where I've read blogs that say oh no you don't have to tip in Belgium and then the guy's standing there with his hand out waiting for a tip so I, I think this is kind of something that evolves all the time yeah I agree with that too so what is uh okay so you have like a serious pro tip in your blog about how the tip is handled so yes. walk everyone through that and my example is not good because it makes me sound cheap, but um, <laughs> it actually happened with 50, not 15. But um, sometimes they'll add a service charge to your bill already. So you're already tipping and you don't have to add any more. Um, a lot of times, and this is getting more common in the States, um, they don't take your card away back to the kitchen, run it and come back. They run it right in front of you on a little machine and ask you verbally how much to add. So I had 
an instance where I think I wanted to add 50 pesos and they had added 50%. So it's just a matter of making sure. Um, I don't even know the Spanish word for percent. <laughs> oh, okay. I know that. What is it? Uh, por ciento. It's the por same. Ciento. Makes sense. <laughs> um, so I know it's, you know, propina is, is tip, but um, just making sure if you're tipping what you're telling them verbally is in pesos or por, cien, por ciento. Por ciento. Por ciento. Like you percent with an O. Got it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's something. And I always, now that I, now that I live here, I'm like, so that the machine is called the terminal. So they'll, they'll ask you if you want the terminal. And you say, you know, yes. And then they bring it to you. And I always think that's so much better for servers. Like in the U.S., they have to be like $22 on this card and like $19.74 yeah. on this card. And like, I, so I'm always like, yeah, we need to get terminals in the U.S. So, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it at first because I, you know, it's kind of awkward like telling them how much you're going to tip, but now yeah. I'm just used to it. No, that, that was like the pro tip part of that, like, you know, they ask you for the the tip amount because then they're, they add it in, you know, it's just done differently. It's just, yeah. like it's done here. Like if you tip them two pesos, I mean, they're, that's what it is. You know, it's not, I mean, that's not cool, but like, <laughs> that's what it, I'm sure they've gotten two or terrible tips before and they just have to like hear it to their face instead of seeing it in three minutes after you leave the restaurant, like in the U S but like, yeah. yeah. Also the point is be a good tipper. Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, this one's about your hotel safe. This is a good tip for a solo traveler. So you, you put everything in your hotel safe that you're not carrying with you, but what do you carry with you? I carry with me, um, just some cash, one credit card and a backup ID. So I remember when I was younger and they always say to have your passport on you at all times. I don't know if that's still true, but I don't carry mine because I, dropped it in a chocolate shop in Brussels once, didn't even realize I'd lost it um, until someone called me on Facebook, but that's another story. Um, so I don't carry my passport with me. I do have a passport card or I'll carry a driver's license, just some kind of ID. Um, and I always travel with at least two credit cards. So one stays in the safe, one's with me. That way, if I lose my purse, I have backups of everything in the hotel safe. Yeah, that's super smart. And I have never heard of travel, like keeping the passport on you. Like I've, I've never heard of that person yeah, that's smart to like not have it on you, but you know, I guess this is all like, there's no rules to travel really. Not Only really good hard. tips and bad tips. <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, keep everything in a safe, as much things as you can in a safe place, of course. And like, you know, separate your cash a little bit in your pocket, or if you don't have pockets, because like life is not fair for women all the time with the pockets. So like, if you don't have a pocket, like maybe some in your actual wallet and then some in like a side compartment of your yeah. purse. So you're not like pulling out your wallet for every single transaction, you know? Yeah, and I found that it helps me budget too. So if let's say I bring $200 for a week, I don't want to carry $200 around. I'm going to figure out how much I've budgeted to spend each day and I'll carry $40 with me. And if I go over that, then I'm spending too much money. So it kind of helps me stay on budget too. Uh, cash definitely, you know, works in that way. I've seen that like tip with even just financial planning. Like if you see the money leaving, you're less yeah. likely to, you know, it's not in the ether. It's like real thing leaving you. Um, 
So, okay. The Mexico City Airport. I think this is where someone who is traveling, especially internationally, for a first time, could have a little bit of a freak out. This airport is uh, intimidating, I think, even after I've been to it many times. So, what, what was your experience in the Oh, 100%. I, I mean, I find <laughs> the first time you land in any country, it's overwhelming and intimidating, whether it's like Bangkok or Mexico City. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And you hear so many stories about scams at the airport. Um, and don't do this and don't do that. Don't ride in these cars. Um, I have before like prearranged a car to pick me up just because I felt safer. You pay about 10 times as much that way. Um, that's always an option. If it's your first time, call your hotel. They can probably send a car for you. It's gonna cost you a lot, but if you feel safer doing that, do that. Um, this time I just went to the authorized taxi stand and they charge you by zone. You tell them where your hotel is, you pay them and then you're on the road. So, I, you know, it's pretty easy. Yeah, this is kind of cool because like, in my head I would just grab an Uber, but I could see how like that would be a little intimidating. Again, like curbside's always hectic. Yeah. Like if you're, if the language barrier is big, like you said, like I've had very few Ubers in the city that spoke English. Um, so yeah, maybe like that might be a little bit more of a calm way to do it. And I've never done it that way, but I think that it kind of makes sense. But also, I don't know if like, I don't know if this like resonates with you, but I've given this sort of advice before, like, like YouTube, look on YouTube for Mexico City Airport videos. <laughs> and, like, so you have some kind of like mental picture and like, just like kind of see yourself like in that environment, like getting off a plane, getting your bag, walking outside, like, you know, like have, it's, it's kind of like a tentative game, game plan. So you're just like not walking in. That's totally exactly. like cold I guess I don't know like the airport's fine I just like it's so hectic I think it's the busiest airport in Latin America or in North America it's something like that I mean it's a big big airport um obviously it's like separated by into smaller terminals like any airport so it's not like you're not in a sea of you know three million or, or whatever you are but you don't know it but yeah I think that airport can be uh can be an experience so I really like your your taxi tip I've never done it that way but also you could take an uber you know yeah I guess I kind of have like a personal rule with ubers I don't usually take them from places because it's just hard to find them like if I'm at a football game or a basketball game or anything busy I'll take an uber there but I just find like finding my uber in a sea of ubers is just too much trouble yeah, and especially and then adding the language barrier onto that, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's really all about like, how can you make the experience more pleasant for you? So I really like your taxi tip. So the taxi sandwiches right outside of when you got off, um, I think they're right by the doors to go outside. They yeah, they're like after customs, after baggage claim, it's literally like the last thing you see before you step outdoors. Yeah. Okay. That's a logical place for those to be. And the reason I like that too, is if you step outside first, you're going to have guys yelling at you in every direction. Hey, hey, come with me, come with me. You know, and you, then you just really don't know like what you're getting into. So I felt like anyone could probably put authorized on their sign, but I feel like since it said authorized, I was safe. Yeah. No, they, the authorized ones, you know, they say, I don't know. I can't imagine anyone trying to get away with craziness at the airport, but yeah. you know, you never know. Um, all right. So 
when did you visit? What time of year? And what did you pack? And how was the weather? And all that stuff. <laughs> um, so my first trip, I went for my birthday, which is um, September 11th. And my last trip was just this past January before COVID shut everything down. Um, and both times, I loved the weather. Um, I'm definitely not a humidity fan at all, which is why I have lived where I've lived. Um, and so I don't, I don't remember a big difference between September and January. It just seems like it's pretty moderate year round, 70s in the day, 40s, 50s at night. Uh, so I, I thought the weather was perfect. Yeah, they, they call it, uh, Central Mexico has what they call eternal spring weather. So it's oh, okay. like what you said, pretty much year round. The summers can get a little hot. Um, but it's also like hot compared to the fact that it was just 60. So it's like yeah. 85. So it's not, <laughs> I live in the tropics where it's 187 every day. So it's not hot like that. Yeah. And, and the humidity is pretty, uh, so what did you pack? Like nothing special for packing? Just kind of like, not really. I'm, I'm one of those, like, I don't know the last time I've checked a bag. I always travel carry on only. So, you know, I try to keep my outfits like coordinating. So I probably take two pairs of pants for a week, you know, some jeans and some khakis and then um, maybe sleeveless tops for during the day and some cardigans to throw on at night. Um, one thing that really surprised me in Mexico City, and I, I remember telling a lot of people this, it's very posh. So if you want to dress up and go out, you definitely can. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm super casual. Um, but people really do dress well in Mexico City. Yeah, especially if you stayed in like Polanco, you would definitely see that, yeah. like the, the nicer areas. But I think just in general, Mexicans are super uh, conservative dressers. Mm -hmm. And in the city, it's kind of funny. Like it'll be like 52 and it'll be like a jacket and a scarf and gloves and boots and earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like, it's either like covered up because they like to cover up or I don't know, dramatic. I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would err on the side of like, you know, definitely like what you said, you know, like a cardigan or something with you at all times. But I think this is one of the places where this it's really good to practice your minimal packing because like you stayed in a hotel, for example, but like if you're staying in some of like the more historic and cute kind of hipstery neighborhoods like Roma and Condesa, like a lot of the older buildings are gorgeous mm -hmm. and aesthetically pleasing and have no escalate elevators. So it's like... Okay. You will be carrying your bag up several floors, you know, and like, is it worth it for five days or can you just take the smaller suitcase? So, but this is a, I think Mexico is a good place to practice your minimal packing. For sure. And then you can shop and bring more things home too. <laughs> it is fun to shop there for all like the, the, in the pretty colorful markets. Yes. So, okay, let's talk about uh, data and Wi-Fi and all that like fun stuff. So did you, what did you do? Did you turn on your international or how did you? No, so my my first trip, um, I don't know. I just wasn't that kind of traveler. I was like, you know, I can get by with Wi-Fi. So I would maybe take screenshots of map routes um, and just not be connected when I wasn't at my hotel. I traveled to Asia like that too. I don't know if I was cheap or stubborn or what. Um, but I did get into, you know, Mexico city, like I realized quickly getting cabs and I was staying in this kind of 
in this guest house in Condesa, so it wasn't a big hotel and we had a lot of communication issues getting around. So um, I definitely recommend having data if you can and Uber is just easier that way. You don't have to worry about a language barrier because you can just put your destination in. Um, my second trip, now I have Google Fi, which is pretty amazing. It's um, Google's data plan um, and international travel is included in your plan. So the second I land, it says, welcome to Mexico, you're covered. And so my second trip to Mexico City, I was much more connected and um, which was great. So using Uber was super easy. And that that's really the main one. But also if you, you know, if you're not confident, I like to wander around and get lost. Um, but it's nice to have that app that I can follow back home if I am um, lost. Why is Google Five never heard of it? Yeah, most people haven't. Um, they use the towers of three different, so I think they use T-Mobile, Sprint, and somebody else. So they use other providers' towers. Um, but what I love about it, besides the international travel, is you pay for what you use. So like most, before I had Verizon, I paid 80 a month for four gigabytes. If I went over, I paid more. If I went under, I was just paying for stuff I didn't use. But Google just charges you by the gig. So, you know, months that I'm traveling and using it a lot, my bill's higher. Um, but then when I'm home and I'm at work and home with Wi-Fi all the time, my bill's really cheap. So I love it. Um, so coverage, is, coverage isn't as good as Verizon, but like if you can land in a country and, and have coverage without calling ahead and without paying $10 a day, I think it's worth it. No, yeah, I've never heard of Google Fi before. So it kind of, does it act like a phone or it just acts like a, da a data plan? So Google Fi is just like Verizon or AT&T. So they own my plan. I also have a Google phone. Um, so I think you have to have an Android phone to work with it. But the Google Pixel has one of the best cameras. So I'm, I'm good with that too. So if you don't have... Uh, Google phone and you don't want to use your very expensive international data plan what I would say you should do is pick up a sim card then you can get them as soon as you land in the airport and it's going to give you you know a temporary Mexican number but you would just pay for the amount of, of like gigs that you think you're going to use but I really don't think anyone should be in Mexico City without their data plan without some kind of data because like Wi-Fi is good. It's not always great. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned in one of your other blogs about like, it's not super easy to like stand in the street and flag down a cab when you don't speak English and you're like, I mean, speak Spanish and you're in another city. And right. like, I really think the ability to just call an Uber from wherever you are and like have maps, you know, getting lost is super fun when it's a choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you're lost because you're just lost and you can't call an Uber to get you unlost, you know, it's less fun, but I think like you can get a SIM card that would last you a week. I mean, as long as you're not like watching movies on it, you know, like for like 20 bucks, like it's, it's a worthwhile investment Yeah, for your travel. So yeah, that would be the third option, but this Google Fi is super cool. I wonder if it's true about you need to have a Google phone though. Or an Android phone because that like eliminates I think half of the <laughs> people but yeah so yeah check that out Google Fi or call your phone company and see how much they charge for their international data plan but usually I would think you'd have to put that on before you traveled 
because once you're in Mexico or wherever, you probably can't then call them. So <laughs> no, yeah, you'd have to get on Wi-Fi and make the call. And some some plans are better. Like you don't have to have coverage for seven days. If you don't turn on your phone for a day, they won't charge you. So, I mean, there's a lot of different plans if you just need it as an emergency backup. Um, but yeah, the SIM card's a good tip. I was just always too lazy to figure out how SIM cards work. <laughs> I really don't understand them. They're pretty easy. <laughs> you just take yours out and put the new one in. But yeah, they're super, 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 super tiny. So you have to like be very yeah. aware and not lose your, your old one is the only like caveat yeah. to SIM cards. But I hope like, you know, given how much time we've talked about this, it, it sh I hope it comes across that it's kind of important to have some kind of a plan. And if your yeah. plan is to have no plan, <laughs> like, you know, at least like go through your options in your head and at least think about all these suggestions. And then if you're like, no, I don't need anything, then that's fine too. But, you know, at least like know what you're getting into, I guess, is the, yeah. the moral of the story. So we are going to take a quick break and come back and talk about a couple more things, Mexico City, a couple Mexico City neighborhoods, and of course, Mexico City food. So we'll be right back. Hey. <clears throat> Hi. Hello, welcome back. Um, so getting around Mexico City, how do you get around now that we have our SIM card or international data or google fi plan that i hope i can get um how did you how did you navigate around so this is where i'm probably not the best uh solo free traveler because i just used uber um i know mexico city has buses a lot of people take the subway honestly when the most expensive uber ride is like six seven dollars that's just my default um I love taking public transportation in some cities, but for some reason I just never bothered in Mexico City. Um, so Uber Uber worked. Uh, my first time super tourist, I did the hop on hop off, which I do almost anytime I visit a new place, just to kind of learn, get my bearings. Um, so that was kind of a fun way to just get around Mexico City, but then just going to dinner and stuff, Uber or walking. I mean, I think choosing where you stay, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, has a big impact on getting around. Because if you stay in a cool neighborhood, you can probably walk everywhere. Yeah, it's a very walkable city. And like I mentioned, it has like that pretty perfect climate. There's a couple rainy months, like mm, April through like July, it's pretty rainy, but like the rest of the year, it's not so rainy. And it's not like a tropical rain where it'll just go for days and days and days. Like I'm from Miami, that's rain to me. <laughs> rain is when it rains for three months. But so it's not like that in Mexico City. But um, yeah, what is the hop on hop off for anyone who's never heard of that? Oh, so they're super touristy double decker buses with seats on top. Usually they have an open top. Um, I think they got famous in London, but I've taken them in Chicago. Um, Brussels, you know, anywhere in the world has them if they have tourists. And it's, um, you hop on and hop off. So you buy a ticket for a day and they stop at all the main tourist sites. So museums, shopping malls, whatever. Um, I like to ride the whole route my first time around rather than hopping on, hopping off. And then you can kind of use it the rest of the, the day to get between different neighborhoods. It's a really good pro tip. And I know you said that 
using Uber makes you not a good solo traveler. And I could not disagree with you more. I think that makes you a very smart solo traveler. Um, and totally like you mentioned, you know, Ubers are so cheap in Mexico City. And that's a combination of the fact that they're just less money than in the US and also the exchange rate. So yeah, like a 45 minute Uber could be like $7. And that same trip on public transportation could be, you know, it's going to be $1 but it's gonna take three hours. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you're traveling for a little bit of time, you know, you know, what's, is, how much does that, does that $6 really matter in the end? And also like for me, Mexico City was super safe. I lived there by myself um, for almost a year. I had zero problems. I had zero even things that were maybe problems. I feel it's very safe, but the times I've heard of people getting like mugged or pickpocketed were for sure on the metro, like in most big cities. So I think it's the smartest choice for a solo traveler to not use the metro. Um, I know it's cheap. I know it's cute, especially if you're not from a big city. Like for a New Yorker, they could care less about the metro. But like if you're from somewhere that doesn't have a metro, it's like, oh, I'm in the metro, how cute. But I mean, you just at some point have to, it's either a thing of time or money, you know? And it's like, yeah, the Metro is cheaper up front, but what if you get pickpocketed? <laughs> yeah. And the number one thing I hear from anyone who's been pickpocketed is I never even felt them. Like they're skilled. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, think of it as sort of just paying it forward, kind of like you're paying for the cell phone you might get stolen <laughs> by using an Uber. And also you get from like your point A to point B, you know, in one one straight line. And, you know, that most people are on a limited travel time. So is it worth it to save $5 and add three hours to your travel time? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I think you make the smart choice as a, <laughs> as a traveler. So that's just my two cents. But yeah, I always recommend women not to to do public transportation, but there is for the Metro specifically and in the, the big buses, like there's the accordion that they put in the middle of the buses to make like one bus into two buses. And usually the front is for women and then the back is for men. And it's the same with the Metro. The front cars of the Metro are for women and children. Um, so there's a little bit of an added element to safety, but still like during rush hour, it's like everyone for themselves, so. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've heard that about the women only cars. It's interesting. Yeah. It's the, the front ones. Um, and you know, I'm sure it helps. I, I would imagine they wouldn't keep that program going if it wasn't actually curbing crime. But, um, yeah, again, if you're coming with dollars, if you're coming with euros, it just seems like kind of a no brainer to me to take Uber. But again, you know, I guess that's a personal choice, but pros and cons to each one. I think you either get money or you get time. So yeah, time is money. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah. So I just wanted to say that you are not badly representing female solo travelers. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I follow so many backpackers that are like trying to cut down every last penny that sometimes I feel inauthentic if I stay at a Hilton or take an Uber versus, you know, roughing it. But all those backpackers are wishing they were in the Uber as soon as they're in the <laughs> hospital and like someone's snoring and keeping them up late. <laughs> True. So, <laughs> you know, 
anyway, yes, I recommend Uber. I don't really care if backpackers hate me. Um, (laughs) So how did you avoid getting sick in Mexico City? Because I think this is the second most asked question after safety for me. For sure. Um, And I mentioned it in my blog. I am not super cautious. I mean, I'm not going to like go drink out of a hose in someone's yard, but I do get drinks with ice. I mean, you, you can take it. My mom's very cautious. So she will even brush her teeth with filtered water, um, not have anything with ice. I kind of roll the dice a little bit. Um, you know, so I'll drink, I'll get a can of Coke with a glass of ice. Um, I had a lot of agua fresca and I didn't really ask where the water came from. I maybe it's filtered. I don't know. Um, I do also travel with a life straw water bottle and these filtered water bottles are becoming a lot more common now, but, um, I've had that in Thailand and Mexico, um, maybe in Rome too. I can't remember, but, um, it filters all the water for you. I just hate having to buy plastic bottles everywhere. And I try to drink a lot of water. So I don't want to buy four 16 ounce plastic bottles and then have those go in the trash. So this bottle is kind of a lifesaver from that aspect. Yeah. Those things are awesome. And I'm, probably traveling back to the U.S. Um, over Thanksgiving and I'm, I'm, I have a, an Amazon gift card that I won doing something and I'm like, oh. I need to buy one of those. But um, yeah. it's, it's on my Amazon wish list now. But so the thing with the water is like no one drinks the tap. Mexicans don't drink the tap. Like nobody drinks the tap. Oh. So you would have never drank tap. Um, I mean, could it have happened once? Yeah, of course. But like it didn't. <laughs> it just like... I think there's 0% chance of it happening. But the thing is, like, the dishes are definitely washed in the tap. Like, but even ice is not made with the tap. So, yeah, when people are saying they avoid ice, I mean, I'm not going to talk anyone out of it because why would I? Because if they get sick, they're going to blame it. (laughs) So (laughs) I tend to not. But, yeah, I've also heard of the brushing the teeth with filtered water and all that stuff. I just don't put water on the toothbrush before I brush my teeth anymore. Um, that's, that's been an acclimation thing that I've had to do, but, um, yeah, like I don't do that, but I don't, I don't brush my teeth with tap, but I don't put the water in my mouth either. So I guess that's a, another one of the personal choices, but so yeah, the thing with the water is like the restaurants, even if you're not buying a bottle of water, they're not giving you tap, they're giving you filtered water. So you can get free water from everyone. You just have to like, you know. It's like um, agua sin botella, water, like not with the bottle. Yeah. But they're giving you filtered water. Nobody can drink the water here, sadly. Good to know. Yeah. So it's like, but I get asked that a lot about the water. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you, uh, I love that you say you rolled the dice a little bit um, because <laughs> I just think I've seen people who are not cautious at all not get sick, and I've seen the most cautious people get sick. So I think the whole thing is a roll of the dice. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's true. You know, it's like you just never really know. And like, yeah, it's like, besides tacos, if you're coming to Mexico City and you don't have a bunch of agua frescas, I, I think you've missed out. <laughs> but they're not making that with tap. Yeah, I kind of filtered, I figured it was filtered water, but I, part of it too, it's just in my nature. I don't like to be high maintenance and have a, you know what I mean? So I just like to go with the flow and eat what I'm served and, you know, so that's kind of where I roll the dice, I guess. Yeah. I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I 
mean, it's a good way to travel, but it's like, you know, if that's way out of your comfort zone and that's just going to ruin your day, you should not do that. But it's also like, you know, traveling's a roll of the dice, like walking out your front door is a roll of the dice. I mean, at some point it's like, you, you made the decision to go to another country. And like, when you do that, you're putting yourself like in an area with like germs that your body's not used to and, and all those kinds of things. But yeah. Um, yeah, everyone wants to know the secret formula to not getting sick. And I have literally seen the most cautious bottled water teeth brusher people get sick. And I have seen like <laughs> throw caution to the wind people not get sick. So I think it's just one of those things. But um, but yeah, you know, if the, the street food stands usually will have like hand sanitizer. So that's my only like input I have on those. If you see one that doesn't have hand sanitizer, don't eat it, that one because that means the person making the food isn't even sanitizing their hands. So, <laughs> other than that, it's a roll of the dice. But I mean, you can get sick in your hometown. Exactly. You know, it's not. It's not like I haven't really been sick in Mexico. So in the last like two and a half years, I've mostly been in Mexico. But I did go to Guatemala for a month. I got sick in Guatemala. <laughs> I've been in Mexico like all this time and never got sick and then I went there where like no one's constantly asking how do you not get sick how do you not get sick right. you know so it's again like for me that that stuff has become a little bit like you said roll of the dice yeah so this is such an another pro tip I can tell you've been to Mexico City more than once <laughs> tell me about the streets and the sidewalks I just thought this one, I kind of threw in as a joke to watch where you walk, but it's true. I mean, the potholes are pretty big. Um, I know you guys had an earthquake, a couple, pretty major earthquake a few years ago between my two visits, but you know, I like to, I don't like to wear sneakers when I travel, especially like gym shoes. So, you know, I walk in ballet flats or something comfortable, but cute. And yeah, the potholes <laughs> in Mexico city were a little crazy and I know most of us are so used to like walking and scrolling through our phones so just you know a little tip of watching where you walk when you're walking around but also you know I think in a city by yourself you shouldn't be scrolling through your phone you should be aware of your surroundings and paying attention anyways looking up around and down yeah it's totally true but like the potholes are so epic and <laughs> but I think maybe this I wish I would have remembered this when we were talking about packing, but like, don't even bother packing any shoe with like an elevation of any kind, like even a wedge shoe. I have seen like the worst fall, like I've gotten rid of all mine. I'm only flats because I've just seen so many falls. But like, I remember after I lived in Mexico for a while, like someone in the US was like, what do you like, you know, and I'm, it's a new place and I'm raving about how much I'm in love with it and blah, they're like, what do you not like about it? And I was like, you have to look down all the time. <laughs> that was my one thing that I really hated about living in Mexico City, because like, you can fall through a hole. <laughs> not yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm, you know, from Chicago, we have pretty big potholes, but they're in the street, not on the sidewalk. So yeah. They're everywhere. They're on the sidewalk, probably the street too, but. Oh, they're in the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's in what they call the ring of fire, which is like the earth's earthquake zone. And um, yeah, just, you know, also 
city infrastructure issues and stuff like that. But yeah, you can fall like like the street, the pavements are uneven. You literally have to be, be looking down, I think, more than you might be used to. At least that was my experience. So where did you um, stay in Mexico City or what are some of your favorite areas or where should some, where would you recommend staying? Oh gosh. I, I, so far I've stayed in three neighborhoods and I loved them all. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, and you obviously have a different perspective living there versus me staying for two or three nights. But my first trip, I stayed in Polanco um, for a couple of nights. I had a Hyatt gift card. I'm not usually a Hyatt traveler. So I was like, okay, I'll stay at the Hyatt. Um, Polanco is kind of like the fancy neighborhood with the big hotels, um, fancy restaurants. And I, for me being my first time in Mexico City solo, I think that was a good option because I felt very comfortable. I even took my tripod out into the street at night after dark, totally comfortable. Um, it does feel a little bit less authentic, I think. So once I've seen other neighborhoods, I'm like, okay, this was definitely high-end touristy. It wasn't seeing the real Mexico City necessarily. Um, I, on that first trip, I also stayed in a super cute guest house in Condesa. Um, it was called the Red Tree House, and I would probably stay there every time I went to Mexico City. The neighborhood's adorable. The guys that run the treehouse are just fabulous. I loved it. The only reason I didn't stay there the last time is I worked for Hilton. So my third, third neighborhood I stayed in, um, I guess we call it Reforma. I stayed at the Hilton. Um, and that trip, I think I only took one Uber because I made a dinner reservation in Roma. But the rest of my trip, I walked everywhere, which I found was fabulous. I, that's my favorite kind of travel is when I can just walk everywhere, walk to dinner. Um, so I liked all of those neighborhoods. I also did a bike tour of, I'm going to butcher this, Coyoacan. Yeah, I know Coyoacan. You got it right. Um, Frida Kahlo's neighborhood. And that was super cute too. Very authentic feeling, very artsy. Um, so that's why I say like, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to Mexico City. I mean, if you can stay in a different neighborhood every time and just explore that neighborhood. That's such a cool tip because like, again, I think we mentioned the 9 million population, like the traffic is pretty epic. Like, yeah. uh, if I can offer any advice to anyone about Mexico City, it's like pick a neighborhood for the day and stick to it. But like all the neighborhoods you mentioned, if you're doing like three, four day trips, like you could spend like, like Coyoacan, for example, Frida's neighborhood. Um, like that's in the south of the city. So you could really explore the south of the city if you stayed there. Mm -hmm. And then Polanco is like in its own place, sort of Polanco is what? So like the northwest part of the city. And it is the very high end neighborhood. There's, um, I don't know if you walk down the, there's like a street with all the fancy like shops on it. They call it the Rodeo Drive of Mexico. Oh yeah, Avenue Masaryk, I think. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty street. Yeah, and like Condesa and Roma Norte are right next to each other. They're very, it's like more central. They're not far from Centro Historico, the historic, historic center. So you could like just really explore like the center of Mexico City in one time. So, but also like being somewhere where you want to explore the things around you is such good advice because you like aren't sitting in traffic. You're not wasting your precious travel time in traffic. And that city has some serious traffic. 
Yeah, exactly. And I know that's a luxury not a lot of people will have to come back over and over again. Um, so I think, you know, planning, doing a little bit of planning ahead, figuring out what you want to see and staying close to those areas, like you said, will reduce the time you spend in traffic. So where do you think you're going to stay on your next trip? That's a good question. I work for Marriott now, so <laughs> probably wherever uh, they have a good hotel, but um, I don't know. I mean, I still, even though Polanco is, you know, higher end and maybe less Mexican feeling, um, it's right on the park, Chapultepec Park. So I love that location just again for walking. So I'd probably stick to the same three that I've already stayed in. Um, but I know there's so many great Airbnbs and guest houses that, you, you know, there's just endless places to stay. There is. Polanco's like very pretty. Um, it has all the good restaurants. Like it has all like the, the really big name chef restaurants. Pujol is there, which is, I mean, you know, saying it's the best restaurant in Mexico sounds crazy to me, but you know, according to like internet sites and fancy food people, Polanco is the best restaurant in the country of Mexico. Um, so yeah, and there's some, uh, the sous chef of Polanco has his own restaurant now called Quinto Neal. And um, like all the really like all the ones that make all like the 50 best list and, and all the swanky restaurant lists, those are all in Polanco. So if you're into eating and shopping and parks, uh, there's some good museums there. And it, like the, the, the Airbnbs are really nice because all the construction's kind of newer. So you're going to get like a nice building, probably with like a jacuzzi and a pool and a doorman and a, a gym in the building and a rooftop garden and those kinds of things. But yeah, it's a little like maybe not the most authentic Mexico City experience, but it has its per. I mean, everything has its pluses and minuses, I guess. Yeah, but it's a definitely a safe area. Like, I'm not surprised that you felt confident enough to, you know, I I see from your Instagram you're like a serious photographer, so I'm sure you had some pretty serious camera equipment. And the fact that you were not in any way like scared to bring it on in Polanco does not surprise me. Of all neighborhoods. <laughs> I mean, I had a Land Rover dealership on the left and a, you know, Louis Vuitton on the right. So it didn't seem like a good place to get mugged. I uh, definitely don't think anyone's expecting that kind of neighborhood in Mexico City. But yeah, not at all. it is. Uh, it's, it's a big, huge city. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's a big, huge, like world class city. But I remember when I first moved there and people were like, what's life like? And I really think they thought I was like riding donkeys around and like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's like New York City, you guys. Like, <laughs> I've never been to Chicago, so I can't, I couldn't make the Chicago comparison. Maybe you can better, but yeah, I'm like, it literally reminds me of like New York City, and they call it that. I've heard it called the tropical New York City, which is kind of funny, but so anyway, speaking of eating in Polanco, let's talk about the food of Mexico City, which is actually, I don't exactly know how to describe it, but so you net you the united nations education science and cultural organization i hope i got that right anyway it's unesco and they give these like designations of like national like international heritage of mankind award like designations i don't know if they're awards but like it goes to certain cultural traditions that they say are 
worth preserving and worth highlighting. And like food of Mexico is an internationally protected treasure, according to the UN, which I always found funny. It's like Mexican food and French food. So I always like to talk about that. And that's obviously why I had to move to Mexico for the, for the cultural. <laughs> of course. The culture of tacos. So what was your experience like eating in like one of the foodie capitals of the world? So, you know, I already mentioned discovering sopas, which is now my favorite. Um, you know, it was funny. I also remember going into a jewelry store on a tour and they had like nopal and, um, which is the cactus, prickly pear cactus and tostadas just laying out in the back. And that was like some of the best food I had. It was free just laying around. I mean, probably in a COVID world, we wouldn't do that anymore. But um, on my last trip to Mexico City, I did, I wanted to go to Pujol, couldn't get in. Um, so I, I reserved, I remember, I can't remember where I, where I ate, but I, I went a little more upscale because I, I know, I already know I love Mexican street food love the tacos. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to try the, the real cuisine, you know, the, the stuff that Mexico city is known for. And I was a little disappointed. I think I just have, you know, um, beer taste. <laughs> That's um, good food. That is the better, that is the better option. I was like such a Miami snobby girl when I came here eating in all the nice places. I like, don't, I could care less now. Like that's yeah the good food is on the street and like, believe me, I've eaten at every high-end restaurant in Mexico city. <laughs> um, that food is good. Pujol is amazing, but it's just like something it's missing something. I don't right. know. It's not Mexican food. It's food cooked by Mexicans, but it's not like, it's not what UN <laughs> called a cultural treasure of mankind. Yeah. It's international food. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I still want to try Pujol, but I think going forward, I'm going to stick to the, you know, taco dives, even at home and in Illinois, I always used to joke, like the best Mexican places have bars on the windows and, you know, the cheaper, the better, because that's the authentic food. But I mean, there's just so much good food in Mexico city. <laughs> um, I mean, my, my last trip was planned entirely around eating, which won't surprise anyone who knows me. Um, Whereas my first trip was like, oh, I'm going to go to the museum and Teotihuacan and the pyramids. And um, this food, this trip was all about the food. So it's, you will not go hungry. The desserts too. I'm, I have a total sweet tooth. I don't drink a lot of alcohol. I'd rather spend my calories on dessert. And the desserts in Mexico are amazing too. So always save room for that. What did you have that was so good? Because I also was I never had a sweet tooth till I came to Mexico and now I cannot have a meal without eating dessert. Um, I mean, even agua fresca is a nice little like after lunch, you know, refreshing thing, but you know, obviously the churros we had, um, is it atoll, atole? It's like a corn drink that yeah, you dip atole. your churro in. Yeah, atole. It's like a corn and chocolate drink, which is not sound delicious to people. But I always say that this drink is like a thousand years old, so it has stood the test of time. So like, although it sounds bizarre, like people would have stopped making it like centuries ago if it wasn't delicious. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. And then chocolate's a big thing there. I noticed a lot of chocolate 
places doing, I think I even went to a chocolate museum there. So lots of chocolate, obviously the churros. Um, I had the churro ice cream sandwiches, which are Insta famous now. Yeah. Um, where did you, where did you have them? Um, tell me the, tell me the popular, El Moro. El Moro. Yeah. That's the yeah. famous churro place in the city. Yeah. I, I mean, there was a huge line. You get to watch them make the churros and then get these little ice cream sandwiches. It was so good. But I love like just when you're walking around on a warm day, everyone's eating an, a popsicle or an ice cream cone. Like they're really big on sweets down there. I honestly think like that's what happened to me. Like, <laughs> Mexico City felt like a carnival. And like it's yes. not like in the US where you have to like drive somewhere and park and get out and get in a line and then get a dessert. Like I just am like walking by places and I just reach my arm out and like there's a churro in my hand. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It sort of became like magic and now I'm a dessert addict. I don't know what happened. But so did you eat a ton of tacos? Um, yes. Always a ton. <laughs> if, I could, if I could get sopas, I got sopas because I just can't find that very often in the States. You know, um, I think they're from, I think they're from Jalisco. I think that's like where you'd get Oh, interesting. Sopes. That's where I've eaten the most sopes. Um, and that's where my family's from. And I did not grow up with that. Like no one in my family has heard of them. But yeah, Mexican food, I think to a lot of people is like a monolith where it's like literally like different from street to street. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's people that have like, you know, that thing is from where they're from. And they're like, I've never heard of that. But I, so I ate the most sopes in Alisco. So for me, they're, I don't even know truthfully where sobeys are from, but they're delicious. Yeah. They're like, I guess they're like sort of if like a tortilla was like eight times as thick and like kind of spongy. Like if a tortilla and a pancake mixed. Yeah. Kind of a sope. <laughs> but well, they're- It's like a tostada, but I've never liked tostadas because they're messy. You know, they break when you bite into it and then you've got this mess. So it's like a tostada with like a firm base. I don't know. They're delicious. Yeah, they are really good, but that's so funny because I don't associate them at all with Mexico City, and that's so funny that you're going around eating them everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, there's like, I think they say there's a taqueria on every street, and I don't know if that's true, but I don't doubt it. Yeah, and it's not like the states where you get your combo platter with your big thing of rice and beans, and um, you know, I just like to order one of every kind of tacos. So one, one with pork and pineapple, one with chicken, one with carne asada. Um, and there's a lot smaller than the Tex-Mex tacos. So you can eat three or four comfortably. Yeah. I mean, you can eat like seven or eight pretty comfortably <laughs> for some people, but um. <laughs> yeah, I was being modest, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like the, the taquerias are like a little world on onto themselves. So like they Mexicans like also won't order eight tacos at once it'll be like two tacos uh, and eat those and then they'll order two more tacos so you can just keep ordering rounds and rounds of food and it's like normal but there, there's something about eating the food hot here that that's yeah. a, a pro tip so yeah um so where else did you go that people need to try so the one kind of i would say fancy not expensive that i love was called testal and it was around the corner from the Hilton, um, almost in like the Chinatown. There was like a little street 
Chinatowny kind of? Yeah, no, there's a, it's small. It's like six, eight blocks, maybe yeah. six. But yeah, Mexico City has a small Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, and I just stumbled on that walking. So that was one good like upscale. I had octopus tacos and um, the huitlacoche. I don't know how to say that. The oh, corn nut. Yes, that's one of my favorite things. Um, I had a soup, so that was good and fancy and I liked it. So I would recommend that for maybe a nice dinner. Um, but otherwise I loved like El Caifan. I think that's a chain. I saw a couple of them. Um, yeah, El, El Califa, Califa, like C-A-L-I-F-A. C-A-I-F-A-N. Oh. I don't know if it's a chain or not, but um, there's a couple taquerias that have that a similar name. So. Yeah. But yeah, was it a, was it like a pastor? It was, yeah. They have the big pork on the on the spit. Um, that's I had good sopas there, um, good flan too. <laughs> but they hand make the tortillas, and and you can sit right at the counter and watch them make your food. Yeah. Um, tacos El Caminero was another good one, where like each taco is a dollar, and I just ordered a ton of them and a coke, and had a little taco buffet. Yeah, well, the fact that you went to Mexico City once, loved it, went back again, and just went to eat is like, should inspire people <laughs> to go to Mexico City. Because yeah, you're so right. Most people do not go to the same place. Yeah. Twice, you know, and like, I just love that you went back again and just went to eat. <laughs> if I go back or when I go back, like, it's going to be to eat. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go to, like, my favorite places, and, and that's going to be my Mexico City trip. Yeah, I can't wait to go back. So, I want to thank you for uh, chatting with me on my podcast. Um, I'm just, I love just, like, crushing sort of the, like, Mexico is unsafe thing as much as I can now like of course there are unsafe parts of Mexico <laughs> that's but like again like much like the food like the country is not a monolith you know like New Orleans in the U.S. is you know maybe not the safest and Wyoming pretty safe all in the same country <laughs> so think of yeah. it that way and you know like I think Mexico City just makes a really good um first time solo trip for for a woman um again like you said maybe it, it applies more to someone who lived in a big city that could definitely be true I lived in kind of a metropolitan area so it didn't intimidate me but um you know you also sort of have the conveniences that you're used to from the U.S. a little bit more in somewhere like Mexico City than maybe some of the smaller destinations so yeah. stuff to think about but so do you have any tips any like final tip for a first time Mexico city traveler or just like a first time traveler who's just like right on the edge, ready to jump into the abyss of solo travel and just needs like a little push slash advice. Just go. <laughs> All right. Just book the ticket and go. Don't wait. I, you know, I have so many friends who like wait until their friend can go or their boyfriend can go. And if, if you're just waiting for people, you might never, never go. Um, if you're not comfortable, you know, stay at a Hyatt, stay at a Hilton, um, eat at Ruth Chris, you know, whatever, um, if that's what you're comfortable doing. But it's it's just so freeing to get out of your comfort zone. Once you're there, you'll be so happy you went. It's I think it's just taking that first step of booking the ticket and setting your mind to doing it. 
Yeah. I mean, if I've ever heard, <laughs> I think I've never heard any advice other than just go. <laughs> yeah. Don't, <laughs> Don't listen to people who tell you you're going to get kidnapped. Um, because that's not, I mean, bad things happen anywhere. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, cool. So how do people, um, connect with you online? So my blog is campfiresandconcierge.com. Um, that's pretty much my handle for Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I'm on all the socials. And currently I'm just doing a lot of content around Utah because it's a new state. I'm actually writing a guidebook on Utah. So I've got to visit every corner of the state in the next year. And as soon as I'm done with that, I'm going back to Mexico City. <laughs> cool. Well, I will um, give you any advice you ask me for. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining me. So thank you guys for um, tuning in this week. I hope you got, I hope someone got some confidence out of this. Um, you know, fear is in our heads and the only way, again, like honestly, if you listen to solo travel podcasts or if you read solo travel blogs and you see any advice other than just go as like, how do you solo travel? <laughs> like, please let me know what it is because I've never seen anything other than just go. That's how you solo travel. You go solo travel. So yeah, I mean, you know, as much as you need to do to get your confidence kind of in order and then you go, that's how you do it. And Mexico city is just like an amazing place for a first time destination. The weather's great for the majority of the year. The food's great. Uh, you can Uber everywhere. So anyway, I hope um, you tune in next week. And until then, nos vemos chicas. That means see you soon. Bye. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the Dream to Destination podcast. I hope you continue tuning in as I release new episodes each Monday. If you prefer to be notified when they come out, just head to your podcast provider of choice and hit that subscribe button. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please also consider leaving a written review and a star rating. These two things help push us up in the algorithm so that other travelers can find us. Speaking of other travelers, if you know anyone who would love this podcast, please also share it with them. And then let's all be friends over on the socials. I'm on Insta, Facebook, and Pinterest at Travel Mexico Solo and on Twitter at Travel Mex Solo. Thanks again for tuning in, and I really hope this will not be our last conversation. Thank you.